bless our morning service yet to come. We thank you for all things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. We are in the uh, study of Jesus' earthly prophecy ministry, where he prophesied of things that would come upon the earth. And it was in response to a question that the disciples asked. Now, this is about the sixth lesson that we've been talking about on this. So it's nothing new to you, but uh, I'm just referring again. And today I want to talk about the, uh, the last part of it, and that is then come at the end. If you have your Bibles and would turn with us to <clears throat> uh, Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, and this is uh, recorded here in Matthew 24 and 3. It's also recorded in, uh, well, just the entire 24th chapter of Matthew. It's also recorded in Mark 13, also recorded in Luke 21. We could go to any of these chapters and pretty well see the same thing. Sometimes they're worded a little different, and sometimes one, is, one section is emphasized more in one gospel. Another part is emphasized in another gospel. That's why I move around sometimes. I usually use Matthew and Luke because... They are more extensive than Mark. Mark is more and more concise. Uh, Mark's uh, gospel was written uh, as Mark recorded what Peter gave him about his time with Christ, from what we understand about history. And Peter was a man of action. When you read Mark's writings and gospel writings, they, pre- they present Jesus as a man of action more than words. Uh, Matthew, who was a, a Levite and who was a, uh, called, called a Levite, he was a uh, tax collector, and then was converted, he was very detail-minded. So he writes a lot of details, a lot of things, and so forth. Uh, so each one of them had their gift and their qualities that they gave. Uh, Luke, who was a physician, a doctor, was very detailed on, on healings. He records a lot of healings. Because that was a fascination to him that Jesus could heal people when he himself, being a physician, knew what a great responsibility it was for a physician to try to help people get well. And so forth. They all have their gift and their... John wrote his gospel book at the very end. He wrote it uh, toward uh, the end of uh, his life. The others had all passed on. And Jerusalem had fallen. And uh, he seems to have filled in what the others may have left out. And so John has a lot of those kind of scriptures that he has put in his gospel. They all contribute to the big picture. When John gets through writing, he says, I guess the world cannot contain all that could be said and should be said of Jesus' ministry on this earth. So uh, we know that Jesus' ministry was, was actually very fabulous. And we are very fortunate to have four accounts of it. In the Bible, praise the Lord. Uh, once in a while, you'll have an infidel or an atheist or somebody agnostic who will come along and uh, they will try to say, uh, well, we we're trying to find proof and to show that Jesus really did live, that he really was a man. They got all kinds of statements like this. And I was reading in Josephus the other day, Josephus was a Jewish historian that all historians regard as authentic, pretty well authentic. Uh, 
and uh, they all regard his writings. And I was reading the other day, there's a passage of, in Josephus where he talks about Jesus. And he says there was a man that was from Galilee who went around and healed many people. If he can be called a man, then he goes on to say, for many say that he was God on earth. And so anyhow, even Josephus refers to that himself as a, just as a historian, not as a religious person. So I'm just pointing out to you here that the words of Jesus are very valuable, very important. Uh, I want you to look at chapter 24 and verse 3 for just a moment. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us, when shall these things be? They were talking about the destruction of the temple that he had prophesied would happen. When shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world and of the end of the world? And the word world here does not mean uh, the globe. It's referring to the age of time, the age. And he's probably here referring to this dispensation age in which the gospel would be sent into all the world after the Jews had failed. And then the Lord's coming and the end of that age or this dispensation of the church age would come to an end and so forth. So in this 24th chapter, as well as Luke 21, uh, Jesus begins to talk about it. And I've already talked to you and read several of these scriptures. But here's one I want to come down upon here tonight, uh, this morning. 2414, and he says, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness. He just got through talking about all the things that's going to be happening and so forth up to that period of time. And he says, uh, one place in verse 6, he says, but the end is not yet. So finally down in verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Then shall the end come. And this is a very important statement here that's made because he's talking here about the end. Then shall the end come. And uh, then he goes on to be to talk about these things. Now, I'm going to go to Luke here for a moment where that he pretty well says something very similar to that. And uh, here in Luke 21 and verse 24, they shall fall by the edge of the sword. Talking about the Jews now, the destruction of, the, of Israel. They shall fall by the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And they were in 70 AD. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles. Trodden down of the Gentiles. Uh, and they have been. Uh, and it says, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And most of you know, and I've referred to it before in Romans uh, eleven twenty-five. it states the same thing. That Israel should be blinded as a nation that Jesus was their Messiah. Until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled or till it's all over with. Time of the Gentiles is the period of time that we're in now. And this is that age or that day is it's referred to in the end of thy coming and of the end of the world. So this is where we are now. And I want to talk to you here today, the prophets of Christ, and then shall the end come. So whenever he gets through talking here. He talks about then the end shall come to all of this. And I want to just say this to all of us today, folks. We are approaching the end of this church age period of time in which God has dealt with the Gentile world to be saved. When the Jews rejected him, then the gospel was presented to the Gentiles. Jesus said, I've come to the lost household sheep of Israel. He said, that's who he came to. 
But just before he ascended, and this is in Matthew 28, 19. This is also in, in uh, you found it in Mark 16. It's all right in the scriptures there. Uh, just before he ascended, he said to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Lo, I'm with you always, even at the end. We're baptizing, he said. Lo, I'm with you always, even at the end of the world. The world meaning, again, the end of the age. I'm going to be with you wherever you go. Wherever you go, and as long as you're having to teach and preach and take this gospel, I'm with you. But there is an end to it. You understand what I'm saying? There's an end to this age that we're living in. And uh, this is what I want to bring out to you here today. And then shall the end come. So if you'll look also in Luke 21, 25. And I'm going to read the, again the last line here in verse 24. Until the times of the Gentile be fulfilled. Now when you go into verse 25, you're talking about what will happen after the time of the Gentiles is completed. The end time. This is at the end of this Gentile dispensation of time. Verse 25. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations. With perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. If you have your Bible, if you want to write tsunami in there, we've already seen some of that. Verse 26, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Now, I'm going to talk to you about this because I think that in this period of time that we are in, we can easily be the Laodicean church. The Laodicean church was the last of the seven churches of Asia. And the Laodicean church represents the end church. And it was a a church that was neither hot nor cold. It was lukewarm. Now, we don't have to be that way. But it's a danger that we can be lukewarm. We can be so involved with this world and the things of this world and this age and time that we're living in that we are not aware and conscious that it's time for the Lord to come back. And I've got a lot to give you here, and I'm going to go ahead and follow through with this. It goes on to say here in verse 27, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud, verse 27, with power and great glory. I'm here in Luke 21, 27, verse 28. And when these things begin to come to pass, now this is a warning to us as a church. When these things begin to come to pass, then look up. And lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. So he's telling us that it's going to, it won't be long. It'll be coming. In verse 31, it says, So likewise ye, when ye shall see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. That is God's divine kingdom coming back for his church and his people. Uh, verse 34 down to 36. And take heed to yourselves. Lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, that's uh, glutton, and drunkenness, and cares of this life. And so that day, that day, that is the end time, come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore, and pray always, that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things. Notice that. And if you've got a pen right in your Bible, put a circle around that word all. To escape all these things. See, it's not the will of God that we should experience and suffer the judgments of God. 
God will never put his people into his judgment. He spares us of his judgment. Now, the church or God's people may be, pers- may be persecuted, and we may have to suffer persecutions of man, but never the judgment of God. So when you start looking at the judgments of God, the church will have already been raptured away or at that moment's raptured away before all of that begins to come. And this is the judgment of God. I'll show you some scripture on that in just a moment. But uh, it goes on to say here, it says, watch you therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy. I'm reading verse 36. Worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about when will these things begin to happen? When will they begin to happen? And I'm looking over here just back very quickly to uh, Matthew. This gives us some insight. Matthew chapter 24, the latter part of that chapter. And this is what the Bible says here about this period of time. This is more of the same prophecies of, of Jesus. And I'm looking at verse 36, Matthew 24, 36. I'm choosing Matthew because he speaks of it very clearly here. 36, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven. Let me say one thing, folks. People who try to set a time and a day and a date for the coming back of Jesus, forget it. You've got a calendar. You go there and put a big ring around that day or that whatever say. Not today. The Lord's not coming back today because nobody knows the date or the hour. Man, I've lived long enough. I've heard this. I've seen this. When I was a young man in Bible school, when I was still in my teens, I went to Bible school when I was only 17 years old. And uh, when I was still in my teens, I remember driving across the Mississippi River from St. Paul into Minneapolis. And I'd drive across that bridge. I had a little job over there and I was working. And as I went across the bridge, I had a big, big billboard. Jesus is coming October the whatever, October the 5th. Let's say this was September. Jesus is coming October the 20th this year, whatever year it was. You know, there it is. I saw yeah, I see it every day, every day. And I remember driving over one day and the date had been changed. It was not October 20th. Now it was like, you know, January the, the 10th or something, you know. And, I, and, I, and, and this has been going on as long as I can remember being a Christian. The people have tried to set the date. Somebody said, you know, somebody said it's coming in 1986. Then somebody says 88 reasons why Jesus would come in 1988. Then that same guy came back and said, oops, 1989, we made an error. 1989 came and went. Then everybody said that when the year we turned year 2000, everything was going to to happen then because everything was going to go up and, you know, turn upside down. Rivers going to flow backwards and everything. They had all kinds of stuff. 2020, I mean, uh, 2000, zero, zero, there came and nothing happened. We just went on. We were on in 2001. 2001, we had, you know, the towers that were crashed into by the, by the uh, terrorists in New York and so forth. But uh, outside of that man-made terrorist thing, everything had just rocked along, see. So what I'm trying to say, don't ever let anybody pin you down that Jesus is coming at such such a time. And if they say that they know, they don't know. Because the Bible says no man knows the day nor the hour. Somebody says, oh, the day or the hour, but maybe you know the week. No, no, no. That's day nor hour is referring to the broad picture. Amen. And we can know, the Bible says we can know the times. And I am going to show you some things how we can know 
about where we are, about where we are, but no date or time. So it says here in this 30th, 36th verse here, I'm reading again, Matthew 24, 36. But of the day and hour, no, of no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall it be in the day of the coming of the Son of Man. This gives us a little idea. For as the days of Noah were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Does that sound like today? Huh? I mean, there's a little hint, right? So uh, we know it's not going to be just a thing where the, it's going to just go down, down, down. When you begin to see these things happen, know that the time is coming. But these things will keep going on just like it was in the days of Noah. Praise the Lord. And another scripture says the same thing about Lot as it was in the days of Lot when Lot was delivered. Noah and his family were delivered because they found grace in the eyes of God because they were righteous people. Uh, Lot found grace in the eyes of God because he was a righteous man. The Bible says he was a righteous man. And he found, his family found grace in the eyes of God. And the angels came there and delivered them. You know the story. I'm not going to go into details on it. You know, his wife was turned into a pillow of salt when she turned back and looked back and so forth. But that's neither here nor there. The point is God delivered uh, Lot and finally and his two daughters out of that place. His two daughters became the fathers of the Ammonites and the and the Moabites, which are today the country of Jordan. I'll just throw it out for what it's worth. But I want to just say here today here that these are examples that everything was going along smooth. The day that fire fell from heaven consumed Sodom and Gomorrah, there's probably a caravan moving through the street early that morning, early, just about before daybreak or about daybreak, headed out across the, going to fix it, go out across the desert, go for a trip. And guys are opening their shops up and open up everything, getting ready for business that day. Everything was going on like it is. And this is the day and the hour that we live today. And we have to understand that the Bible says this is when the Lord will come back. I'm going to finish reading here. It goes on to say here that uh, verse 39, knew not until the flood came. This is talking about Noah now and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the son of man be. Then shall two be in the field. One should be taken, the other left. Now notice this, two in the field, one should be taken, the other left. That's the rapture. Two people in the field, that's workers in the middle of the day. Now look what it says in the next verse. Two women grinding at the mill, the one should be taken, the other left. Two women in the mill, at the mill, one should be taken, the other left. Uh, this is early in the morning. You get the picture? Early in the morning. Watch, therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. So here's one. Here is there's another scripture where it says that two shall be in the bed. One should be taken. One should be left. I think it's found in Luke. Now, the point I'm bringing out to you here is that it's different times of the day when the Lord comes. And to be very honest with you, this was very confusing to the early church because they said if the Lord comes in the morning, that's when they grind me up. They come in. In the fields working, that's at noontime. Because as far as they concerned, was concerned, the world was quite small then, you know. And when the Lord comes, it's either going to be morning, or it's going to be noontime, or it's going to be evening, or it's going to be at night. But the Lord said it could be all of this. And then later on, we find out the world's round, you know, and whenever it's Sunday, when it's daytime on one side, the world is dark on the other side. You understand what I'm saying? And when Jesus comes, it won't matter where you live in that world that we're in, on that world, in this world. 
he will he will come circle the earth and the dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet them in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I'm quoting here from First Thessalonians chapter four. So I'm just trying to point out to you here today that the Lord Jesus was pointing out to him a little bit that will not know the day of the time. So he says, just watch therefore, for you don't know when the hour is coming. Praise the Lord. Uh, I want to uh, go a little further with this and uh, also talk to you here about another scripture that's in the scripture that is, that's in the Bible. I think that's very valuable to us. And that's one found in Hosea 6, 2. Uh, this is the only verse in the Bible that I know that's like this. And uh, look at Hosea 6, 2, if you will, with me for just a moment. If you'll turn to Hosea 6, 2. I'm going to read 1 and 2. Chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And Jesus here is talking about the restoration of Israel. His restoring Israel back to her homeland, back to her rightful place in his eyes as his people. And he's referring to that. Verse 6. Come, let us return unto the Lord. This is like the Jews talking to each other. Let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. That's all, that all happened in 70 AD. Whenever the Lord had Jerusalem destroyed, the temple destroyed, the Jews scattered. God. There was over a million Jews that died in that onslaught of the Romans coming in on all of Palestine. And then finally Jerusalem was the last place. And that was over. And then they were taken down into Egypt and sold into slavery and, and sold all over the world. The then known world, and as time went along, they were they were moved into other parts of the world. There's a long history of the Jews, how they got from into Spain, how they got into England, how they got into Germany and France and Belgium, all of that. The long history of it and very interesting history. Look at verse 2, though. This is what I'm reading here. He says, after two days will he revive us. Now, God's going to revive the Jews. After two days, he will, in the third day, he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Anybody know what, what day we're in now? It's 2000, right? Oh, you say two days. Wait a minute, Brother Byers, two days. This is not 24-hour days because they've been scattered in the world already for 2,000 years, right? So this is not talking about two days. Uh, let me give you something else to go with it. Look over in Psalms chapter 90 and 4. 90 and 4. For a thousand years in thy sight are as but as yesterday, when it is past, and as a watch in the night. A thousand years is as it was just yesterday or just a day ago. Now, let me give you another verse over here in First Peter, or Second Peter rather. Second Peter chapter three <clears throat> and uh, verse eight. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. And a thousand years is one day. So when in Hosea 6, 2, it says that after two days will he revive us. We're looking at 2,000 years. After 2,000 years, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up. Praise the Lord. Remember, Jesus rose up from the dead. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a parallel here. And I won't go into detail to it, but it's just speculation on, on types and shadows. But there's a parallel here that Jesus rose on the third day at, in the resurrection. 
And he was in the grave for two days. It's a type of Israel being scattered throughout the world for two days. And the third day, they rise up. Everybody, is, am I losing you here on that? Anyhow, I'm just throwing that out for whatever it's worth. Just something to think about. But I am pointing out to you here that it's getting close to the time of the coming of the Lord. The Lord's coming is drawing very close. And the Lord said that it's two days. Uh, another example that I can give here is Adam and Eve. Uh, the Lord told Adam and Eve, don't eat the fruit of this tree. It is the tree of knowledge. You're going to eat. eat the fruit of this tree. The day that you eat this fruit, you shall surely die. In the day that you eat this fruit, you surely die. And Satan came along as, as in the form of the serpent and tempted Eve and said, oh, you can eat the fruit. No, 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 we can't. He said that in the day that we eat of the fruit, we shall surely die. He says, uh, hath God said in the day that you should eat this fruit? Satan will always question the word of God. That's the first thing he does. He questions it. And he'll get you to question the word of God. The day that you start saying, I wonder if God's word really is true there. I wonder if it really is right. I wonder if it really means that. When you start questioning, Satan's already got a little, <laughs> a little imp on your shoulder whispering in your ear. Saying maybe God's word is not the way it is. And that's what a lot of this world out here tries to do. They try, first of all, to question the word of God. Question it. Re-examine. Re-look at it. Re-look at it. You know. Uh, I subscribe to certain magazines or things like that. And coming to find out some of them are beginning to question the Bible. Question the Bible. To me, it's not to be questioned. It's been settled a long time ago. And as I have seen it in my lifetime, it is right on target. Right. right on target. It's amazingly on target. Praise the Lord. But he said, well, he said, hath God said. That servant said that to Eve. And then a few verses down, he says to Eve, you shall not surely die. You shall not surely. He, he refutes it then. That's where it goes to. It won't happen. It won't happen. And she ate the fruit, and the next day she was still living, and the next day she was still living, and the next day, 24-hour day, she was still living. But she died within a thousand years. And the Lord was not talking about a 24-hour day when he says the day that you eat the fruit, but in the thousand-year period of time. And no one has ever lived beyond a thousand years. Adam lived to be 930 years. Methuselah, the, the man who lived the longest of anybody, uh, lived to be... 969 years and he was the longest man but nobody's ever gone a thousand you know why because they died within that dispensational day and so that's the dispensation so we have to then look at that these things these prophecies and these scriptures in the light of other scriptures like hosea two days after two days will he revive us the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight so we know by that folks the day the time that we're living in 2019 it's time for the Lord to come. It's time for these things to begin to happen and so forth. So I think that we can look at it and understand that where all of these things uh, are, are happening. So where in the Bible are these things mentioned? Where are they mentioned? Look at Revelations chapter 6 for a moment. I want to show you here. And then I'm going to refer to some other verses of Scripture. Revelations chapter 6. Praise the Lord. This is uh, the beginning of the judgments of God that are poured out and they start by the Lord talking about horses. A white horse, a red horse, <clears throat> a black horse, and a pale horse. And uh, 
And he starts talking about these things. Finally, it gets on down to verse six, 12. After all these horses have done their romping, and there's been disasters that have come on the earth, wars, famines, and all kinds of manners of death on people. This is the tribulation period, as we call it. Look at verse 12. I'm looking at 612 here now, just to save time, get to the scriptures themselves. Behold, when he hath opened the sixth seal, these seals were the seals on the book that Jesus took out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne, which is symbolic of the Lord having the right to judge the world from God, God giving the right to Jesus, not two different persons, but two manifestations of God, him giving the the right to Jesus, because Jesus was the one who came to this world, lived and died on Calvary and was crucified and so forth. Now it goes on to say here in this 12th verse, and I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal and lo, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became as blood, not blood as blood. And the stars of the heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when it is shaken of a mighty wind. I was looking at a documentary the other day about uh, the asteroids in the earth. And uh, almost, almost the letter, they were beginning to describe things like this. There are huge asteroids and there are huge, you know, comets uh, that go through the air. And sometimes we are, our atmosphere is bombarded with them, but they don't come in on into the, hit the earth. But eventually there will be asteroids that will hit the atmosphere and they look like shooting stars. And so many other will come on through the atmosphere, hit the earth. And when they do, folks, it's like an atomic explosion, it's like an atomic explosion. Uh, I was in, uh, in Africa uh, in, a, in a place called Gorongora. It's a valley that is in uh, Tanzania. And uh, that valley is self-contained. It's 3,000 feet down into that valley from the top of the hills around it. And they said an asteroid had hit it many, many moons ago. I don't know how long, but it's a great valley. And in that, in that valley are these animals, just about all the animals of Africa are in there, and they never leave that valley. They're in that valley always. We were, and we went down into that valley, right on down to the base of it, and there's a big lake there, and there's, a, there's, there's a flamingos and everything. They got everything in there. But what I am pointing out to you that said an asteroid is one that's one that's hit Russia. And can you imagine if there's a bombardment of this kind of thing that becomes, begins to hit the earth? So apparently that's what we're looking at here. So it says the, uh, the stars of heaven, verse 13, the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree cast her in time to figs when she was shaken of a mighty wind. Look at verse 14. And the heavens departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, shooting stars. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. This is an amazing thing that happens here. And this is during this period of time, whenever this tribulation and this judgment time starts after the church has been raptured away and is coming on the earth. You say, well, Brother Myers, that's what Revelation said. Let me give you, let me give you another verse of scripture for that. It's amazing how the, the mouth of two or three witnesses let every word be established as the word says. And how God has put these this same truth in other places. So I'm going to refer over here to, first, for, for instance, in Isaiah chapter 13. Uh, Isaiah 13. And he says here, 
Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. Verse 9, 13, 9. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh cruel with wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate and shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. Look at verse 10. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light and the sun shall be darkened. Same thing Jesus said, same thing Revelation says. In his going down, going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. Verse 11. And I will punish the world for her evil and the wicked for her in, in iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. Look at verse 13. Therefore, I will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. <clears throat> and verse 14, and it, the earth, shall be as a chaste roe and as a sheep that no man taketh up. They shall, every man turn to his own people and flee everyone to his own land. So this is giving you the condition of that period of time and how terrible it is and how bad it is and, and, uh, and so forth. Let me give you another verse of scripture. This is found in Isaiah 24, 5, 24, 5 and 6. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof because they transgressed the laws, uh, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. I could give you a Bible study on that one. Broken the everlasting covenant. The everlasting covenant uh, was the covenant that was established by the Lord with Noah and all the descendants of the earth when they came out of the ark. It's not talking about uh, Noah, about uh, it's not talking about Moses and the children of Israel. It's talking about God with all the children. So when Noah and his three sons, who are the fathers of all the people on the earth, and he said, you are of one nation, one people, one blood. And entire, so that all the world now is from those three sons. And when they came out, he made a covenant with them. Everlasting covenant. Don't do this. Don't do that. Do that, and, don't, and I will make covenant with you that I will not again destroy the earth with water. And I'm going to give you a Bible study on that next week. I got some good things to tell you because there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world. And I want to show you some scripture here where you can say this is what the Bible says. Praise the Lord. All right, I'll move on, though, from here. And it says that the inhabitants of the earth, verse 6, Therefore hath the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men left. So this gives you a picture of how this condition will be. Whenever God takes his church out. Let me say this. Jesus said, no, you're not. You're the salt of the earth. The salt of the earth. How many of you know what salt does for meat when it's salted down real good? Fresh meat salted down. How many of you know? They call it salt meat. <laughs> you, used to buy, you could buy a slab of bacon, you know. Salt, just salt. is that salt all over it. Fellas said they called it lamb bacon because his dad would take that thing and lamb it against the wall and knock all the salt off of it. Then he'd begin to slice it up. You may be too young to understand that one, but anyhow. Uh, that's salt meat, as they call it, because salt is a preservative. Salt is a preservative. They can take fresh meat and they don't have no freezers and everything. They salted it down everything. They could keep it for months and months, salted down like that. Salt is a preservative. Jesus said to the church, know ye not, ye are the salt of the earth. Folks, we are holding back the judgment of God. The church in the world holds back the judgment of God. God said, I'll not touch the world because my people are there. And you're the salt of the world. You're preserving the world. You're keeping it. 
But when the church is taken out and there is no more salt to preserve it, then it will go to, it will, it will, it will rot. It would just go to, this is what will begin to happen. All the judgments of God. Well, I just thought I threw that. That's for free. I just threw that in for free. Praise the Lord. Let me move on here. I'm in chapter six of Revelation and I read to you here verses 12 down through 14 about the mountains and the islands all moving and the earthquakes and all that. Look at verse 15. This is interesting. And the kings of the earth, this is that same period of time that all this will begin to happen. Earthquakes, mountains and islands moved out of their places. All these things happening on the tribulation period. Verse 15, the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in, den, in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. They went crawling into holes and mountains and caves and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the day, for the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand? So this is the wrath of the Lord. And there's a scripture that says, God hath not appointed us unto wrath. So this is not appointed unto us, but unto the world. And this is coming and will be coming on the face of the earth. You're here sort of uh, to show you how that these things are also mentioned. Uh, look in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 10. I'm going to show you, it's amazing to me how that God has so many verses to substantiate everything he says. You understand what I'm saying? And that's why he says in, in, in 2 uh, Corinthians 13, 1, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. That was a code in the Old Testament. Everything, and that's why you read in the Bible sometimes, it talks about the Lord doing something, turn around the next verse, say he did it all over again. And then you read down half the chapter and it'll repeat the same thing that was already said. You say, why does he keep repeating it? Because in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. I can show you four or five places, six places maybe. In the Bible, in the, in the Old Testament, where it talks about them coming out of Egypt and, and, and the, the waves rolling, the, the sea rolling back and them walking across. Because there would come a time that men would not believe that. And so he repeats it over and over and over. There's a wall unto their right hand and a wall unto their left hand. So you don't get any, any no, uh, no qualms about how it was. Somebody said, well, it was a tide went way out. That's what it was. There's a sandbar they walked across the not when there's a wall on their right hand and a wall on their left hand. The little kids going along, I guess, I don't know. I have no idea. I can imagine all kinds of things. But let me read here in Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 10. I just got through reading Revelation about these men hiding in the mountains and rocks and seeing fall on us. This is 10, verse 10 here, chapter 2 of Isaiah. Enter into the rock and hide thee in the dust for fear the Lord. And for the glory of his majesty. Jumping, saving time here. Uh, look at verse 19. They shall go into the holes of the rocks. And into the caves of the earth. For fear of the Lord. And for the glory of his majesty. When he ariseth to shake terribly the earth. So in that. Of silver. And his idols of gold. Which they made each one for himself. To worship to the moles and to the bats. To the. And then verse 21. To. Uh, to go into the clefts of the rocks, into the tops of the ragged rocks, 
for, glory, for, for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he ariseth to shake terribly the earth. So do you get the picture here? I mean, it's, the Bible is full of these things where the Lord talks about these things all coming on the face of the earth. Now, uh, that was an event, and I know I've only got about four minutes here, and I'm just going to mention it to you. But I, that was an event that happened today where our president met with uh, uh, Kim Jong-un, uh, who is the dictator of North Korea. You know that. And he met with him, and uh, they were going to talk and see if they could work out a nuclear power, some kind of thing, where they rush, that uh, North Korea would quit making those things and get rid of all of them and so forth. Well, it didn't happen in, in and our president just up and left the whole thing. He walked out on the whole thing, which was probably a good thing that he did that. But what was going through my mind when I was picking up on some of these things and just passing just here and there, and this is all developing, when men cry peace and safety, then sudden destruction. Men cry peace and safety, then sudden destruction. And if you've got your Bibles, look with us. I think it's in Thessalonians. Uh, yeah, I forgot where it is. First Thessalonians. I uh, can't remember. I can't remember where it was. But anyhow, it says, when men cry peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon the earth. And can I just tell you here today that we're at a time whenever they can say things are going to be okay. Uh, I just got through. Uh, I've been, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, uh, history nut about World War II. I grew up, I was a kid in World War II. I remember all of it. And, uh, and all the wars that fought, that was, that was somewhere as close to 80 million people that died in World War II. 80 million people. And I've been reading, it's a horrible, horrible thing that happened. And uh, when I began to read it and, and, and study these kind of things here, I realized that a lot of terrible things happened in that war. And uh, I never will forget uh, that reading about England's Prime Minister Chamberlain in 1939. He went over to see Hitler. And he said to Hitler, he said, we don't want war with Germany. And we want you to promise us that you'll not go to war with us. And Hitler says, we're not going to go to war with you. And he said, and he says, we'll not go to war with you. And they shook hands and made an agreement. They would not have war with each other. And Chamberlain came back to England and the press was all over him. And he's doing this and waving the flag. And he said, we shall have peace in our time. And the next year, uh, Germany invaded Poland and England went to, because they had a pact with Poland, went to war with Germany. And all of a sudden now all of Europe was at war with each other. And England, Germany had already invaded some of the countries around it and so forth. I won't get into all that, but it was already starting to happen. And all of a sudden, England now was at war with Germany. And then finally, all of Europe was at war. And they were fighting. It went on and on and on and on. And then, then Hitler decided to break a, a pact that he had with, uh, with uh, Joseph Stalin in 1941. And he invaded Russia, which was the biggest mistake that he could have ever made. That one turned out to be a you know bad move. But anyhow, the point I'm simply making to you here today is that all of these things, praise the Lord, let us know 
that it is a time now for the Lord to come back. When men Christ sudden, you know, peace, peace. Here was Chamberlain saying, peace in our time. It didn't happen. You know, who, who, who can say, you know, we're going to. And one of these days, folks, with all of this atomic power we've got, you know yourself, Pakistan and India is at odds with each other. They just shot down one of the Indian planes that had bombed a place in Pakistan. And then the Pakistan shot down their plane, one of the, two of them. One of the plane pilot was killed, the other one they was captured, Indian. Both these countries have the A-bomb or the nuclear bomb, both of them. I mean, they have it. Pakistan has the nuclear bomb. That's no secret. So does India, you know. You know, so does, so does France, so does England, so does America, so does Russia, so does China. And, you know, I think Korea, I mean, North Korea is, is they have it now. Yeah. And then you got, uh, you got uh, Iran. They're, uh, they're trying to get it. Israel has the bomb. I'm just trying to say it's a matter of time with all of these rogue nations and things that this begins to happen. And when I read that sixth chapter of the book of Revelation and that ninth chapter of Revelation, the devastation is coming on the earth. This is the day of salvation. We need to say, God, we're going to live for you. We're going to serve you. We're going to walk with you. We're going to believe in you. We're going to trust in you. And we're going to try to help everybody we can to be saved and help them to find the Lord, come to God and be saved because time is running out. Amen. Two days is up. We're into the third day. And it's time for the Lord to come back. Remember, Jesus didn't rise from the dead at the end of the third day. He did it at the beginning of the third day. I'll leave that with you. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand together and just praise the Lord and thank him for his goodness and blessings.